0: getting mad they're always you know hey we need to grow up it's not about you say it's not about me me. do you really believe that i mean it's about him you know and when it gets to be about us that's when we start getting kind of funny about things and and the pastor will say something to us next thing you know or we're all bowed up and mad and leaving and good lord we need to grow up. And these are going to be musicians that are grown up. I don't have all this written down. This is just free, free flow here, freestyle. <laughs> God wants to release His power. There will be supernatural things happening in their ministries. They'll be powerfully used in the prophetic and in signs and wonders. As we said before, this is definitely not entertainment tonight that we're talking about, but this is a powerful ministry of the Word of God and the flow of the Holy Spirit where God releases His power. People stand up and begin to sing and people begin to weep and come to the altar and break and they begin to sing and the presence of God gets so powerful, all of a sudden they, got to, they start prophesying instead of singing the song. They start singing the, the word of the, the song of the Lord. Next thing you know, they're calling people out for healings and deliver. Friend, I'm telling you, God's going to do a new powerful thing among musicians. And I really want to pray for those who have a sense that maybe God is speaking to them personally about this ministry. And they're starting to catch something in their spirit. I wish that I could tell you more about it. but I'm telling you more about it than I could have told you even a couple of weeks ago. And I don't know a lot, but I see this thing coming. And I want want to pray for those that can say, I can see that. In fact, I feel like maybe just somehow I'm going to be involved in it. Would you stand up quickly? I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for musicians, minstrels, psalmists. Thank you for Holy Ghost songs that are going to be birthed. Some that will only be sung one time. It may be the best song ever written, but they were sung for a purpose and a reason and never to be recorded and written down and money made on it, just freely received, freely given. That there'll be powerful things flowing out of spirits that are in tune with you, Lord. That they're not in love just with the music for the music's sake, but, Father, they're, they've, they've laid all that down and they're there just to serve you, to allow the Holy Ghost to to be the director, to be the one in charge, to, al- to allow the release of supernatural anointing and power and prophetic flow, Father God, and miracles to take place. Lord, I just speak that over these folks. I just bless them and release them to go forward. Whatever it costs them, let them be willing to pay the price to get there, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I appreciate what our sister said about being marked about paying a price for things. You know, that's always the way it is whenever God wants us to lead, to go on. We always pay a price. And God is not out to hurt you. He's out to kill you. <laughs> and if you only think he's out to hurt you, you, you misunder You you haven't understood. <laughs> You're not going to get out of this thing alive. I hope you know that one way or the other. And so... God help us. Now, just two quick things in Scripture I want to share with you. uh, In Hebrews 11, verse 7, the Bible says, By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not yet seen, moved with fear and made an ark to save his house. I'm glad Noah was obedient, aren't you? We're all descendants of Noah. Everyone in this room, we're all related, uh, you know, We're all kissing cousins, I guess you could say, because we came out of Noah. If it hadn't been a Noah, none of us would be here. And to thank God for a man that moved by faith. The Bible says that he was warned by God of things not yet seen. And, you know, that takes a lot of faith to move in in those realms. You see, Noah was moving, uh, in a sense, in a new paradigm. Uh, he, there was, what God was speaking to him, there was no way that he had any reference point to explain it. Uh, it had never rained on the earth, you see, up to that time. Uh, not even a little shower. Just a heavy dew came up every morning and watered the earth. So nobody knew what a rainstorm was, and he was, had a hard time, I'm sure, explaining this to his wife. <laughs> Uh, what did you say this was again? Well, he, and he couldn't say, well, you remember back in 07 when we had that big rain. This is going to be like that, only bigger, you know. And nobody knew what a flood was. Nobody, but yet God had showed him this thing in his spirit. And the Bible said that there was a, a respect that he had for God. Apparently, the earth, the... uh Society had degenerated very quickly. It's very possible that Noah lived in Adam's generation. I don't know exactly. I haven't gone back and looked at all the numbers. But it's very possible that Noah may have known Adam or at least known someone that knew Adam. People lived very long times during that time. And there could have been a large population... On the earth, we don't know how many people could have been there. I believe there could have been a great civilization. We don't know what the, what was on the earth at that time. They were not cave people living, uh, you know, just coming down out of the trees and just losing their prehensile tail. I mean, these were real people. And you think about it just for a moment. Anybody ever study animals and all those scientific names for animals? Anybody ever do that in school? Was it hard? Well, just think about this for a moment. Who made up all those names? Adam. Think of the brain this man had, the intellect that this man had, the energy and the health that he had. And then look at us today. We're pale copies of what the first man was. So we're not going up the evolutionary ladder, friend. We're going down the drain Hello, come on now, get with it. So he was, he was moved to build something that had never been built in preparation for something that had never happened. <laughs> Nobody had ever built an ark. It was the biggest boat ever built until just the last century. Think of that. Now, this was at least five or 6,000 years ago by most people's reckoning. And nobody until just the last century ever built a boat that even came close to the dimensions of the ark until then. (laughs) And not only that, he probably built it in the middle of a big field. Now, what an awkward place to build a boat that probably weighed so many tons it was impossible to move it. Can you imagine building an ark in the middle of a field and someone's saying, "What are you building this thing for?" And spending spending 120 years on a project. Think about it. You think you think you got tired of building this church? Think of that 120 year project. Preaching the gospel probably every day, never having one convert. Building a totally useless piece of equipment that had no earthly use. He didn't even build it by a body of water, probably. And even if he built it next to a lake, there would have been no earthly way to get it into the lake. It was just a totally useless thing until the thing that he talked about that had never been seen before happened. And then it was the most useful piece of equipment on the earth. In fact, if you weren't in it, you were dead. Hello? We switch to the New Testament in Luke chapter 5. Jesus is preaching to the crowds. They're pressing in. There's Peter and, I can't, was it Andrew and John that were fishing partners with Peter? they, They just finished fishing all night long. Any fishermen here? Anybody here that likes to fish? Few people fish when they used to like to fish when you had time, like me. I love to fish. I look at my fishing rod. I think about it and say, well, there you go. And I put it back in the corner. (laughs) But I used to fish a lot. So I love fishing. These men were professional fishermen. They didn't do it for fun. They'd labored all night and they were folding their nets, mending their nets, get everything ready to, you know, to put everything away and probably go home and get a nap. You know, Peter's over there probably thinking, man, as soon as I get this net put away, I'm going to go down and, pick up a copy of the Jerusalem Post, go by Starbucks and get a cup of coffee and a bagel, and I'm going to go home and put my feet up and watch J.N.N. for a while, Then I'm going to have a nap because I'm tired. I've worked all day. I'm just frustrated, no fish, worst night we've had. And then all of a sudden Jesus said, that, excuse me, Peter, could you mind shoving your boat out in the water a little bit? You know." And if I'd have been Peter, I said, why do they always pick me? I'm just getting ready to leave. Why didn't he ask Andrew or John? How come it had to be me? So if, but Peter was a nice guy and he said, okay, Lord. And he moved his boat out a little bit and Jesus stood in the boat and used the natural amplification of the water and preached to this crowd. And when he got all done, he looked at Peter and said, Peter, one more thing. How about going out a little deeper and letting your net down? And uh, you can imagine Peter, oh man, if this is, this is going from bad to worse. I'd, if I'd have been Peter, I'd have been thinking, now look, You're a carpenter, I'm a fisherman. Do I come into your shop and tell you how to make a table? You know, I'm the professional here. But he said, okay, Lord, whatever you say, I'll do it. He's probably hoping if I just do this, maybe he'll just get out of my boat and let me go home. So uh, he rowed his boat out a little deeper and dropped the net. Now, the reason I asked if there's any fishermen, so I lived some of my life down in southeast Florida where the largemouth bass is the king. And, you know, it's every sportsman's dream to catch the world record largemouth bass. Do you know why that is? How many have a good reason? That's right. If you catch the world record largemouth bass, you have become a millionaire. No doubt about it. You'll be a millionaire. Everybody they will want you to wear that Billy Bob baseball cap that you, you know, with the The name of their tackle on it and all that. I mean, just whatever. You'll get free bass boats, free for, you know, all terrain vehicles. I mean, you name it, you got it. Every kind of fishing rod and fishing line, you'll be the king. So if you were in a place where the world record bass was suspected to be, and that could probably at this point in time be 25 pounds plus, how many would go in there with hopes to catch that thing with nothing more than a little cane pole, a piece of string, and a safety pin for heart, for a tackle. Now, if you're serious about catching that world record, what if you did catch him on that thing? And there, and you saw him grab it and you saw him take one jump and he was the biggest one that ever got away. It's the biggest ones that always get away. The reason they get away is because we don't have the tackle to hold them. Amen. Now, this miracle that took place with this fish wasn't so much the fact that just that they caught fish. They'd fished all night. I mean, maybe they could have, Peter just could have hit, been lucky and dropped that net down at just the right time and caught a few fish. But the Bible says when he let that net down, that the catch was so large that his net began to break. And as the net began to tear, Peter feverishly began scooping fish into his boat. The Bible says that he got so many fish into the boat, that the boat began to take on water. He'd never had that many fish in his boat before. He'd never had that many fish in his net before because the net was still breaking. So he called his business partners and they rowed the other boat over and they began to scoop fish into that boat and it began to sink and the net was still breaking. Now, friend, I'm trying to tell you something here. Nobody had ever caught fish like this before on this lake. If they had, there would always be the opportunity to do it again, and they'd have had bigger boats and bigger nets. They had the equipment that they needed to fish that lake. They'd probably use that same setup for generations. But all of a sudden, something supernatural happened for which they were not prepared. That little fishing expedition almost put them out of business. See, it almost sunk both their boats and tore up all their fishing equipment. You're just not getting this, are you? Well, let me ask you something. What about, what if, how many of you know a backslidden person? How many of you know two? How about five? How about ten? Anybody know ten? Anybody know more than ten? Lots of backsliders around what would happen if next Sunday all those backsliders that just you know, I mean, some of you may know the same ones, but just think about it. What if all those backsliders that you know decided to come back to the Lord and make things right and they decided to come right here to this church? What would happen? Well, yeah, I, I used to fish a lot, as I said, when I lived in Florida. And being in the ministry... Uh, contrary to some people's belief, you don't always have a lot of money. <laughs> and uh, I remember I used to fish a lot. We'd, we'd eat a lot of fish in our diet, fish that I caught. And uh, I remember one day getting on a, in a little spot on a canal just on I 95 there by where the 45th Street exit was. There's a little canal that ran across there. And, and I got on this little spillway one day, and in 50 minutes, or 60 minutes, excuse me, one hour, I caught 50 of the biggest bluegills I ever caught in my life. I mean, that means almost a fish a minute. That means dropping the line in, catching the fish, pulling it up, taking it off the hook, putting it on the stringer, and putting another bait on. I mean, just as fast as I could put it in the water, I had a stringer of fish from here to the ground. I was so excited and so elated I got home and so excited until I remembered one thing, I had to clean every fish myself. See, the way it works in my house, I catch them, clean them, and cook them, and my wife eats them. So it's not like the old days when the fishermen come home, throw the fish in the sink, and say, fix them up, honey. Oh, no, that was my deal. How many know it took me longer to clean them than it did to catch them? Well, here we are with a boatload of fish. Every backslider in town, they're coming in out of drug abuse, all kinds of sexual problems, broken marriages, angry at their parents, estranged from their... Ch- I mean, you name it, whatever kind of problem you can get out there, here they come. It's kind of like when Jesus stood outside the tomb of Lazarus and He said, Lazarus, come forth. Now, you know why He said Lazarus, because if He had just said, come forth, everybody in that graveyard would have been resurrected. In fact, maybe in the world. It wasn't time for that kind of a resurrection yet, so He picked the fish He wanted. Now, Lazarus had been dead for three days. The Bible says he stank. I don't know if you've been around dead things, but they have an odor to them. understand dead humans really are rank-smelling. Not only that, he could have had as much as 200 pounds of linen and ointments on his body, almost like a big plaster cast. Wrapped up tight around him where it would have been impossible but for him to even get off the slab, let alone get to the doorway. So it's possible that his word reached into that tomb, lifted him off that marble slab, and there he was in all his smelly glory standing in the doorway. And he does a real cute thing. He turns to Peter says, get him out of his grave clothes. I'd have been Peter. I said, Lord, you caught him. You clean him. <laughs> Can you imagine what he smelled like? having to unwrap him, get oh, Lord. I mean, you know, probably there were just maggots involved and everything, you know. I mean, you know, get real. This was nasty stuff. See, there's a lot of folks that get excited about a big catch, a big harvest, whatever term you want to call, but they don't want to get their hands dirty. And it could be that what God wants to do would be such a strain that it could break down the equipment we have. And what we think of as a blessing could end up becoming a real catastrophe. If you don't think so, ask the pastors at places like Brownsville and places like that where there's been a continuous visitation of God night after night after night. People love for God to come for a visit, but they don't really want Him to stay. They don't want Him to stay because it means a change of everything. Everything begins to revolve around going to church and being with God. You know, what about my golf game? What about my I Love Lucy? What about, I mean, you know, it'll change your life. Well, let it come. But God help us in the meantime. See, the, the thing may be is God asking us to build and prepare for something we've never seen. Have you ever seen a move of God like that in your life? I never have. Have you ever seen a catch a fish like that? That doesn't happen on this lake. You know, you can't get fish like that on this lake, but here it was. Peter was so moved by this event, he said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a wicked man. He, he saw God in this thing. See, we've forgotten about that. We're so removed from nature. We used to be farmers and work on the land and hunters and tillers of the soil. And we were attuned the things I like have, but you know, we do We work in offices and on computers, and then we're not tuned in anymore. And this man saw the the sovereignty and the power of God in this event, and he fell on his knees and said, "Lord, I'm wicked." Jesus said, "Don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to catch men. Your your fish catching days are over. Just wanted you to go out with a bang, Peter. But your fishing days for fish are over. From now on, you're going to fish with me for men." I believe that God's issuing a challenge to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that we better take a look at who we are and what we've got to work with and we better begin to think about, are we willing? Well, that's what we got the pastor and the elders for, those 3 o'clock in the morning calls. you got to come over now. My husband's going to kill me. Or my son's getting ready to walk out the door. Or, come over right now. You know, you look at your watch. Well, how about next Tuesday? No, that'll be too late. You put your clothes on and... Friend, I've been there and I've done that. What if it's you they're calling? Don't bother me. That's what we got the pastor for. Friend, we need to wake up to who we are in God and what God may be calling us to do. Are we up to the challenge? I believe the places where people are building and taking messages to heart like our dear sister from Argentina shared this morning. We take to heart what God is saying about us being plugged in being in unity, being a people of prayer, God is going to move. I believe that he, he loves Americans just as much as He loves anybody else. I don't believe that He loves us any more or any less than any other nation. And I believe that when we are lined up with His purpose and His plan and we've, we've got the machinery in order. How many come from a farm background? Anybody? Big farm? What did you farm? Tobacco. So that's sort of a hand-pick operation. Anybody come from a background where they had corn or soybeans or wheat or anything? Anybody? You did that too. And, uh, you know, you don't wait until the day. I mean, when listen, when peas are ready to pick, they're ready to pick. And you don't, and uh, where I lived in Delaware for a while, we lived on a big farm, and they had acres and acres and acres of sweet peas. You know, then one day all of a sudden there, these big machines would come in and, In a few hours, all those peas were gone. They were all ripe at the same time, all ready to go. You see, if you didn't pick them that day, the next day they'd be lost. Because the next step after ripeness is rottenness. So you pick them when they're ripe or they're gone. And and you don't wait until the day that you're going to harvest peas and say, oh, by the way, (laughs) that John Deere harvester needs a new motor. You think we could get that thing (laughs) and get those? That's too late. Or did you know that there's a a leak in the roof where we're going to store the corn and, you know, or did you, hello, are you getting, or the hay balers broke. Make hay while the sun shines. You know, all those things all have a reason for them because what it means is you've got to be prepared. Strike while the iron's hot. Whatever kind of way you want to say it. We've got to be prepared. And if we're not prepared, then we're going to miss See, Peter wasn't really prepared for what Jesus was able to do. I'm sure they didn't get all those fish. I'm sure they lost a bunch of them because they were not prepared for a catch like that. They'd never seen it happen before. And so they hadn't built something in preparation for something that never happened. They only built in accordance with what they knew and saw in the natural. Thank God for Moses's. Thank God for visionaries that God can speak to and say, listen, we need to do this. Well, what in the world for? Why do we need to do that? That's, we've never needed it. Who needs an ark? Rain? What in the world are you talking about, rain? What, what is rain? Hm. But it came. And those that listened, his family, listened and built were the ones that made it. And I believe that those who listen and build and prepare for what God is going to do in our land are the ones who are going to reap the benefits of it. The rest of us may find our whole operation sunk by the enormity of the need and are not being in place and are not preparing ahead for what God is wanting to do. Now, I just trust your spirit bears witness with that. if it doesn't now, that in days to come, God will stir you and prepare you. And it's not just about having a bigger building or a more. But it's all those things. It may be all those things. It may be that you'll have to have six meetings a day. I have a friend, uh, an acquaintance who's an apostle in Nigeria. In the city that they're in, they have built 90 churches. And in their church alone, in one church, they have six services a day on Sunday. Now they're all. We would. Do it, one pastor, one huge congregation, six meetings and wearing everybody out. But they, each one of those services are a separate congregation with their own pastor, their own name, their own worship team. So one congregation vacates the building, in comes the next one. But they're all lined up apostolically and they're all building the same thing. They all have their own flavor and personality and style of doing things, but they're just flowing in a a powerful flow that has almost captured that city 100%. Powerful. Raising up ministries, taking their nation for God. We may have to think differently than we think now. Hmm. We may have to be willing to give some things away. I remember when my friend Alfredo Salinas came into my life. He is a, a Spanish Pastor, that I had a burden for Hispanic people in Delaware, and I could speak enough Spanish to get in trouble. (laughs) Doesn't take much, does it? And I had a burden for these people. We had a lot of Hispanic people in Delaware, and I just began to see them, you know, and just like God, how do we reach them? Even if I could reach them, their culture is so different than mine, and I can't preach to them right. And God said, "I'm going to send you a Spanish pastor to work with." And this man came into my life, and he's an apostle. He's raising up a mighty work for God, a powerful man of God. But his first reaction when he came to us is, well, what's your angle in this thing? (laughs) What are you going to get at? He had a hard time believing we were just going to let him have our building. Use anything you wanted, all of our office equipment. No charge, no nothing. Just come and use it. We'll help you. He had a hard time with that because that's not the way we operate, is it? We've always got an angle of some, some little thing we hope to get out of it and we may be called to give some things away, just release stuff and just let God do his thing. I don't know how it's going to work, but I know it's going to cost us something. But in the end, we're going to be the one that received the blessing for it. So praise God. Well, I've got to quit because I know you got some other things going on. But, uh, you know, I feel like I've discharged my load. And, uh, you know, when I get up, I've got so much to say, and so I'm going to say it. So whenever you put me up, that's when I start, and whenever I'm done, that's when I finish. Amen? Amen. But I'm glad I came. And I'm really especially glad I got to hear this dear sister from Argentina. That pricked my heart. And uh, I'm thankful for, for the move of God in your hearts and in your lives. So bless you. Amen.
1: Thank you, Dennis. Lord bless you. That was really the Lord. Let me have that copy. Okay. All right. Here's what we're going to do now. We're going to do something different today. Everyone is invited to come to a Christian bar mitzvah. Okay? Is that the way you say it? Yeah? Thanks, Dean. This will be in ten minutes right here in this room. So if you would like to stay and participate in this Christian Bar Mitzvah, the McCarran family has invited everybody in this room to come and participate. If you need to leave, we're going to let you leave. Okay? So I want you to stand up, and I'm going to bless you. If you want to leave, you may leave. If you want to hang around, you can hang around. But in ten minutes, you won't be hanging around here unless you come to the Christian Bar Mitzvah. So let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to bless you. We want to thank you. Lord, I feel like you're just... Uh, just jamming us today, Lord. I, I really feel like, Lord, You have really come. And we want to thank You for that. Thank You for touching us. Thank You for speaking so much in so many ways to us today, Lord. And Lord, I pray that these words that were spoken will find good ground. God, I pray that. Please, Lord, good ground. And Lord, I pray You'd bless every person in this room. Lord, you keep every person by the power of the Holy Spirit in this room and your face would shine upon every person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.